night, and um, hopefully tonight we're going to learn how to argue really well. How to win every argument. That's just what you came to church tonight for, right? I mean, you've been arguing all day with somebody, and you're just, how, how do I win this argument? Uh, we're going to find out tonight. If we've got our Bibles open, then it's probably not going to be the way that we're thinking. Um, probably not a natural way, not a debating way. I'm not going to introduce you to some, uh, some debate tactics or anything like that tonight. But go ahead and find your Bible. Philippians chapter 4. In verse number 1, Philippians 4 and verse number 1, we'll read all the way down to verse number 8 and see here tonight a little discord that's spoken of here in our scriptures, a little argument, a small disagreement if you will. Therefore my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and beseech Cynthia that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I treat thee also, true yuck fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your heart requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. If I were to tell you that you had a chance to be in the Bible, what would you say you'd like to be remembered for? Uh, maybe you'd like to be the guy that took a sling and a stone, right, and threw it at a giant. Uh, maybe you'd like to be the guy that jumped in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Um, maybe you'd like to be the one that bore the, uh, the Son of God. Maybe you'd like to be the one that uh, held up a rod and let the children of Israel walk across or uh, maybe you'd like to be the one uh, that washed Jesus' feet. Uh, we'd probably like to be a lot of different positive things in the scriptures. But I don't think any of us would like to be remembered in the scriptures as, uh, in a negative way. In a negative way. What if I told you you were going to be in the Bible, and the only place that you're going to be in the Bible is this, is that it's going to be about you and somebody else having a disagreement. <laughs> that wouldn't be too good, would it? I mean, the only thing that you remember for is having a disagreement. And we find here in our scriptures tonight two ladies, Yodius and Cynthia. And these two ladies somehow, some way, ended up in the Word of God by the inspiration of God as a lesson and an example for us. And how just a small disagreement can turn into something very large. So large that God in His great providence and wisdom decided to put the disagreement in the Word of God. Now that's very interesting to me. For one, uh, to think that all of us have disagreements. 
All of us have had arguments. All of us have had times in our lives where we've argued with our spouse or with a co-worker or with a child or with a mom or dad or something like that. But to think that such a thing would be mentioned in the Word of God, I believe, just lets us know how practical the Word of God really is. It's so practical that it brings out even this small, minute detail in order to help us as we walk in our faith with Jesus Christ. And I want to see tonight just three ways in which we can fix the fight. That's what I'm going to call that. Just how can we, in three different ways, three different scenarios here we're going to find in our scripture to fix the fight? What can we do? And I don't mean that you uh, go ahead and pay somebody off, all right? But I mean fix it. Get it right. Get things back to where they should be in life. Paul opens up his chapter by saying, therefore. He has just taught them many different instructions in chapter number 3. And he is concluding his small epistle. And oftentimes, like he does, he starts naming names. A lot of times, they're good names. A lot of times, there's good people. In fact, I think we're going to find out that these two ladies are actually very respectable, godly women. But in our text here, and, and oftentimes in Paul's letters, you'll find him naming names, talking about good people, people that he loves, people that have helped him, people that have been with him uh, in, in the fight and, when jail, and in jail like he is in Philippi, like, he's, like he is in Rome writing to the Philippians here. But he says in verse number one, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy, my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, dearly beloved. I mean, it sounds like he likes these people. Amen? Did you notice what he says? My brethren, dearly beloved for, longed for, my joy, my crown, my dearly beloved. He reiterates himself. He, he says it over again. He loves these people. He loves the people that he's about to mention, that he's about to address. And whenever you're dealing oftentimes with correction, I think that is so key whenever you're dealing with people that it is made obvious that you love them. It's made obvious that you love them. There should be no uh, if, ands, or buts behind such a thing. But people ought to know that you're saying this or doing this because you love them. That's the way you discipline your children. You love them, so you discipline them, but you show them love. And they, there's no doubt that they're very secure in your love. And I don't think that the Philippians would have doubted Paul's love for one instance. He has reiterated it to them. He has told them again and again. And here in this verse here, he says, you're my dearly beloved. You're my, I long for you. I can't wait to see you. I mean, it's almost to me like he's writing a love letter in a way. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what, uh, that's what somebody says to uh, his, his, uh, his wife or his spouse or his girlfriend. He says, you're just my crown. I mean, you're, my, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I, I can't wait to see you again. I'm looking forward to you. I, you're my dearly beloved. I love you so much. That's how Paul's talking to this church. It's exactly how he's speaking to them. Some people think that sometimes that your love can be too lavish. Hey, there's, love can never be too lavish. You ought to be able to pour on love and pour on love and pour on love and never stop pouring it on. But he continues here and he says, I beseech. Uh, dearly beloved, I love you so much. I can't wait to see you. I beseech. I beg of you. I beg of who? Yodius and I beseech Cynthia. Now, I don't know if I'm saying that word right. I don't know if I've got the, all the... All the, all the uh, 
phonetics with that word right there, but Cynthia right here and Yodius, they've got an issue because he says to them, he says, let them be of the same mind. And then he also tells the person who he's writing to, who's ever receiving this letter, he says, uh, tell this man, this true yoke fellow, to help those women also. So uh, there's been a discord. There's been a discord, and it's obvious because they says to have the same mind. You be of the same mind. What it should be obvious to us, if there's two women in the church that don't, that he says have the same mind, it would be obvious that they what? Don't have the same mind, right? I mean, that would be very obvious. And so he's telling them, have the same mind. What I find interesting about this is that, number one, how do you fix the fight? Understand this, is that the majority of time is that there are always two sides to every argument. Or you might say it like this, is that the fault lies with both people. The fault lies with both people. Have you ever been listening to somebody tell you about an argument that they got into? I mean, they're just laying it on, and you are listening to this, and the more you listen to it, the madder you get at the other person. You ever been in a situation like that? I mean, you're getting mad. Your skin is crawling. You're getting upset. I mean, fire is about to breathe out of your nose. I mean, you're about to turn and get to Godzilla and go attack somebody. I mean, you are upset at that other person. Finally, you get a chance, and just before you say anything to that other person that they had an argument with, they said, well, let me tell you something. And then they tell you the other side of the story. And then you start to feel jaded, upset, and mad at the other person who kind of fed you a bunch of lies or kind of, kind of beat around the bush, didn't tell you the whole story. Understand oftentimes in an argument that it, the fault lies on both sides. These ladies had an issue, but Paul does not encourage or discourage either lady. He doesn't say, it's your fault or your fault. He doesn't say one is right. Or one is wrong. He just says, both of you need to have the same mind. The same mind. Paul's concern was not to pick and choose sides. I'm kind of giving some instruction here in this first little point here, in this first little bit, to understand that there are times that we have to counsel other people and work with other people and try to help other people. And this is a beautiful example on how to do this. Do as Paul did. Try not to pick a side. Don't worry about who started it or who said what. or who's, who, uh, Don't worry about who's, who was at fault in the situation. Sometimes we just have to learn to let things go. It doesn't matter sometimes who said this or who said that or she said this or he said that. The fault lies with both people here in this scenario. And as I've seen and as my experience has been, and I'm sure yours has been also, that most of the time, the fault lies with both people. With both people. So what does he do here? Well, number one, see under this that the fault lies with both ladies, is that in this thing of both parties, understand that we have to come to the place too in an argument that we have to say to ourselves this, that I might be wrong. At least you could say this to yourself, I'm not always right. Can we try that tonight? Maybe this would be good therapy for us here this evening, all right? Just say, I am not always right. Can you say that? Man, that was really, y'all really had a hard time with that. Wow. Okay, we'll, we'll work this out. Okay, I am 
not always right. That, that was very, very telling, I'm sorry to say, but I mean, it is hard for us sometimes to admit that. I know, I was just being, I'm just picking with you. But here's the thing is this, is that we are not always right. That's right. Uh, we need to see that some cases that we are wrong. Uh, maybe, maybe we didn't communicate very well. You know what I mean? Maybe there was a communication breakdown between Yodius and Cynthia. Maybe there was something that happened that was not able to be expressed at the right appropriate time. Maybe something was said through the grapevine that wasn't communicated correctly. The issue here is this, is that the at hand is that it doesn't matter. What matters is this. It doesn't matter who was right or who was wrong. What matters is get it right. Be of the same mind. Be unified. Be together. And then you have this issue, too, of that there are some times that people just like to stay mad. Have you ever ran into people like that? They just, I mean, they don't want to get over anything. They just want to stay mad. They don't want to forgive. They, want to, they, don't, want to, they don't want to chill out. They don't want to take a chill pill. They don't want to take it easy. They don't want to forgive. They don't want, they don't want to get rid of their bitterness. They want to stay Mad, and there's oftentimes that run people re run into scenarios in these matters. But this agreement, disagreement, obviously had been going on for some time. This wasn't some overnight dispute that was just happening. All of a sudden, Paul, I don't think the Lord of the Holy Spirit of God is just going to throw something in just because two ladies had a, little, had a little issue in church after a fellowship one night. There's obviously something happening here. There's something that's big here because it was bringing in such a, a contention that Paul has to bring it up in a letter that is inspired of God. That just blows my mind. But they uh, were not obviously getting along and had caused such an issue and had been going on for such a time that it had been even known about Paul in Rome from Philippi. We need to be careful to not stay mad or stay in squabbles or stay in disagreements. We're not the Hatfields and the McCoys here, okay? But rather... We should learn what Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. In our walk with Jesus Christ, our goal should be to live peaceably with people. Live peaceably with people. A Christian is not to be one that causes hard times and hurts people or tries to live in disharmony with one another or tries to cause debates, or get people angry. Secondly, we see that the fault lies with both ladies, but secondly, understand this, is that the fault lies in the lack of a desire to be harmonious. The fault lies in a lack of desire to be of one mind. That's what Paul tells them. He says to them, he says, that they may be of the same mind in the Lord. In the Lord. You say, how do you know that they did not want to be unified? Because he tells them to be unified. <laughs> Turning your Bibles over to the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. Matthew 5 is the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
But let us thumb down a little ways in the Beatitudes and let us find ourselves in verse number 9. Look what this Beatitude tells us. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You realize that being a peacemaker is a necessary quality of being a child of God. Being a peacemaker is somebody that we should be. You say, I'm not a very good peacemaker. Well, you should be aspiring to be one. Are you a Christian? Are you a believer in Christ? You see, Christ came to this world to make peace with us. And praise God, we found peace in Jesus Christ. And in, through his peace with, with, with God the Father and through us, he is our mediator. We've been brought back to God. We've been, we have peace with God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That peace has given us an ability to make peace with others. Now, I, can't, I say this a lot, but I think I said it on Sunday night too, but what God has done vertically in our hearts and our lives That is supposed to be worked out horizontally with us. With God making peace with us, then we are to make peace with others. And it's only possible in that order. When God works this way, then we are to work this way. It doesn't work in any other way. But the fault lies in the fact that people don't want to be unified. They don't want to make peace. But that is the very description that Jesus Christ gives of a child of God. A child of God is to be a peacemaker. And so the fault lies in this lack of desire to not disagree. It lies in a lack of desire to not be like-minded. And as I read through our scriptures, let me just remind you of a couple of things here. In Romans chapter 14 and verse number 19, it says, Make peace. He tells us to make peace in regards of days and foods and of certain things. In 2 Corinthians 13, 11, he says, live in peace. And Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, keep the bond of peace. And Philippians 2, 1 through 4, it says, being like-minded. In Colossians 3, 13, it says, forgiving and forbearing with peace. In 2 Timothy 2, 23, he says, follow peace. 1 Timothy chapter 5, or 12, Hebrews 12, 14 says, Follow peace. James 3.17 says, make peace. The Bible is very clear about this. That we ought to make peace with one another. That God desires that his children be at peace with one another. In my stars, how many churches throughout the ages have forgotten those verses. How many churches have split? And yet, maybe in, various, in, in small towns or communities, and you find people that call themselves Christians and believers, they won't talk to this person or that person because, well, they had a disagreement at that church, and we don't go to that church anymore. We don't talk to them anymore. We don't, go, we don't, we don't speak with them anymore. Folks, that's not Christian. That's, that's, that's ungodly. And anybody that leaves Cindy Kills Baptist Church, and for whatever reason it is, I hope that nobody ever holds a grudge against anybody. 
Let that be on them and, the, and with God and let them have, make their own decisions with, with certain things that they have to make. And not everybody leaves here on bad terms. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that make sure that you don't have a hurtful and ungodly heart with people. Or whatever the kid's situation might be. It might be with a spouse. It might be with a child. It might be with a co-worker. It might be uh, with, with a mom or a, or, or a dad. But your obligation as a Christian in life is to become a peacemaker. Because peacemakers are, because, are, are called the children of God. We are to be like-minded. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5. He has already told them that one time already. And he says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You see what I'm saying there? We ought to have the same mind as Jesus Christ had. And that is to make peace. Make peace. Well, as long as they get their mind like my mind, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what some people like to say. Well, if I'll make peace, if they get their mind like my mind, then we can have peace. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. All right? We're to have the mind of Christ. That's who we're supposed to have the mind of. Have the mind of Christ. Not bringing up in other places foolish or unlearned questions that do gender strife. Not talking about, uh, we're, talking about uh, we're talking about those kinds of things too. But you say, why would Paul bring this up? And we don't know what happened. We have no idea. I mean, I don't know why these two ladies were upset with each other. You say, well, why bring up a disagreement? Well, turn in your Bibles real quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 1, excuse me. 1 Corinthians 6, 1. Why bring this up? I think it's important that Paul brings this up because Paul has seen where small disagreements go. He has seen the end of where small disagreements and contention and strife leads to. In the Corinthian church, it had gone so far, it says here in verse number 1 of chapter number 6 of 1 Corinthians, he says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world, and if you shall be judged by the, if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to be to judge the smallest matters? What is happening here? Christians are suing each other. Christians are taking each other to court. That's how far it had gotten with the Corinthians. So I don't believe Paul is just kind of haphazardly throwing this disagreement out. I believe Paul is understanding what can happen, what can lead in this lead up to this situation, what can happen if this does not uh, get nipped in the bud, as Barney Fife used to say. You know, we've got to make sure that when a disagreement comes up, that we say to ourselves, first of all, I might not always be right. I might have missed some communication on this thing. I'm not, I, I, I'm probably off a little bit in this thing. I don't need to stay mad. I don't want to stay upset. I don't want to stay angry. But I want to be like-minded with my Christian brother or sister. Karis asked me tonight, she said, would you like to sing the family of God? I said, that's a great song. I was thinking to myself, I'd go right with the message. Around here we call ourselves brothers and sisters. And I know sometimes brothers and sisters can fight. But here's the thing, is that we ought to live in peace with one with another. Peace with one with another. 
Paul had already seen the devastating effects of disagreeing and discord in the, lo- in the local church at Corinth. He said, I don't want to see that here. Philippi was a sweet church, a godly church, a church that loved missions and supported missions, a church that was serving the Lord and doing what was right, a poor church, but a godly, God-fearing church. And no doubt he wouldn't want to see just one little disagreement tear apart a whole entire congregation because don't think that that can't happen. Don't you know that somebody might have been on Yodius' side and somebody might have been on Cynthia's side? They could have picked sides and destroyed a whole entire church over one small disagreement. Finally, we see the fault fixer. The fault fixer. Now, I don't particularly know if this is a cherished gift or not. But some of you have been called to be fault fixers. Some of you have been called to be put in positions and in places within your family, within your church, within your community, within your school, within your jobs, uh, to be people that try to mend things back together. All right? That's not a fun position to be in sometimes, is it? To be one that's counseling somebody, trying to help them out in a situation like that. But it's necessary. And so Paul gives this charge to the true yoke fella. He says, help those limb women. And here's a little thing that I've left out, but I mentioned briefly. He says, that labored with me in the gospel. You might have thought that Yodis and Cynthia were just two carnal Christians, but they were laborers in the gospel. These were godly women. These were workers. These were workers in the ministry. These were women that were serving God and doing what was right, but yet they still had a problem. Disagreement and discord and arguing is not just for the critical and the disobedient and the carnal, but it is for the spiritual and the godly also. Never think any of us above being in a disagreement or an argument or in some kind of discord, contention, or strife. Say, well, that person's just kind of easygoing, or that person just kind of never says anything, that person just kind of doesn't do much, they could never be, or I would never be in this, My, 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 uh, my personality is not like that. Don't you ever think like that, my friend? It could happen to the best of us. And these saved women had gotten unto this thing, gotten caught up in an argument, and it needed to be quenched immediately. So what does he recommend for them to do? He says to the he says to the yoke fellow, and he says, entreat them. He tells them here, he says, they've labored with me and with the other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And then he gives to them five characteristics here. Five characteristics. What is a path? What is the path to get out of? Of a disagreement. How do you get out of a disagreement? How are you going to. Maybe you're in one right now. Or maybe you'll find yourself in one. But I want you to remember this one word. Full. Full. How do you get out of a disagreement? Full. Full. Full of what? Well look what he says. In verse number four. Full of rejoicing. Full of joy. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. It's going to be kind of hard to argue with somebody that's kind of being joyful. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? 
Uh, it's going to be hard to argue with somebody and be in a contention and a strife with somebody that's got joy bubbling over inside of them. In fact, you're probably not going to get into an argument with somebody like that, and you're probably not going to get into too many arguments. If you're joyful and you're rejoicing, be joyful, full of joy. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. That's the whole theme of the book of Philippians anyhow, is rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing. This was a rejoicing church, a lovely church. But follow the path of rejoicing. How can you start up an argument with somebody that's singing about God? You know what I'm saying? As a Christian, maybe an unsaved person might argue with you, might get upset with you, but a Christian ought not. Follow the path of moderation. I would tell you not to just be joyful, but to be careful. Be careful. Now, the word moderation here doesn't mean uh, not to have, doesn't mean having anything to do with drinking or loose living. It means to be gentle. It means to be mild. When you read in your Bible here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 5, he says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I still think that he's dealing with this little uh, issue that Yodius and Cynthia have because he's letting them know that you need to be mild. Here is my advice on the situation. Be mild, be gentle, be helpful, be careful. You know how a disagreement really begins to break out and really begins to go in the wrong direction when we're not careful with what? Our words and our tongue. And we let things slip and we let things slide and we keep talking. The best way... To get, stop digging out of the hole is to put the shovel down. Just put the shovel down. Man, I've been in arguments or disagreements sometimes and I just, I just keep digging. And I just keep digging. And I just keep digging. And I think that with each word that I might be able to get myself out of the hole. But with each word, I'm just digging deeper. Be careful. Be joyful, be careful, be prayerful. The key to getting out of a disagreement, the key to winning an argument is this, is being full, being full of joy, being full of care, being full of prayer, being full of prayer. He says there in verse number seven, he says, or excuse me, six, be careful for nothing. That means don't worry. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. My point there is simple, is that you need to be prayerful. Pray for the person. Pray that God would help you to have the same mind as they have. Have the, have the same mind with one another. Pray that God would give you both a Christ-like mind. A Christ-like mind. Man, it would be great if all of us, whenever we got into our next disagreement, all we thought of was just full. All right, I mean, full. You thought you said, okay, well, I don't know why I'm thinking full here, but I, I, I'm going to find out. Philippians 4, what do I need to be? I need to be, if you just found one of them, that would be, that, I, think you would, I think that you'd be able to solve an issue. Just rejoicing. Be careful. Be prayerful. Pray for the person. It's been said by four many times, it's hard to be mad at somebody that you're praying for. I've heard people say sometimes, I don't want to pray for so-and-so. Or they maybe even give a testimony like this, I didn't want to pray for, and then fill in the blank. 
But God kept putting it on my heart to pray for them, to pray for them. I did not want to pray for them, but I started to pray for them. And I did not pray very long before I was not mad at them anymore. It's hard to pray for somebody and still be mad at them. Be prayerful and then be peaceful. I don't know that I need to rehash that again, but he says, In the peace of God, rule your hearts, he says, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The idea there is that the peace of God should rule and reign over your heart. Keep means to guard. It means to watch. It means to rule, to reign, to watch over your heart. Let God's peace be over you. Whenever you get in an argument or a disagreement, you get some discord and strife and contention in your life, it's not a very peaceful situation. You can almost feel like the peace of God is just kind of walking out the back door, it feels like. But in those situations, be careful with your mouth. Be prayerful with your mouth. Be, be, be peaceful in your heart. And let God's peace rule there. Let it rule. Let it reign. And then he says, be thoughtful. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. And then he goes down through the list. And then look at the very last four words of Philippians 4.8. Think on these things. Think on these things. What are you going to do when an argument comes back around again? When a disagreement, a strife, a contention, a discord happens in your heart, in your church, at your workplace with one of your children, maybe with your spouse? Because it will happen, there's no doubt about it. Woe unto those that offenses come because they will come. You will be offended. You will come across a disagreement, an argument. You're not going to get along with every single person. Every single person is probably not going to get along with you. So what do you need to be? Be full. Full of the Holy Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit of God, the controlling of the Spirit of God in your heart and your life will help you to be joyful, careful, prayerful, uh, peaceful, and thoughtful. Thoughtful. Think through what you're about to say. Think through what you're about to do. I know sometimes that a discord, uh, maybe an argument or some of those kinds of things, it seems like it just cannot be helped. It seems like maybe you're just... That person's going to be mad at you, no matter what you do, no matter what you say. In those situations, my friend, it's even more imperative that you be prayerful, careful, joyful, peaceful, and thoughtful. You say, Pastor, I really did nothing wrong. You know what? There are scenarios like that. Especially in the causes and the cases of persecution. I really did nothing wrong. Okay? Be joyful, prayerful, peaceful, careful, thoughtful. Be full. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you were both wrong, if one side was wrong, if one side was more wrong than the other side was. It doesn't matter. 
be full, full of the Holy Ghost. Let God work in your heart. Let God be the one. You be the one that is going to be a Christian. Because Christians are called to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. May we all strive to be a peacemaker. May we all strive to have the same mind one with another. He says in closing, if therefore there be any consolation in Christ, Philippians 2.1, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love and being of one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but everything, but in every, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. May God help us to have the same mind. Father,